Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Wayward Dragons. I'm your host, Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. And welcome to episode 8. You're already losing track of the episodes, just wait until we, you know. (laughs) It gets bad. (laughs) I have to look up at my calendar. Like, what episode is this? We're only in the single digits. 3,722. Oh God. <laughs> God. So, what are we talking about today, Kels? So, for this episode, I will be discussing the difference between a cryptid and a mythological creature. So, this, this got a little confusing for me because the difference is so minuscule. So so minuscule. But before we get into that, have you been listening or reading anything interesting? I have not. Uh, I just caught up on like what, four, six years worth or something like that. No, not that long. What was that? Anyways, like four or five years worth of podcasts for that mythology series. Um, but I've been not reading anything. I've been a lazy boy. Uh, <laughs> just because of dealing with stuff at work and I've had a lot of family stuff going on. So that's kind of taken up a bulk of my time. Yeah. What about you? I have been binging Minds of Madness. Um, Audible does it backwards. They start at the newest episode and go to the first episode. Yeah, I, I'm assuming is that a podcast or yes? Okay, yeah, I don't get why they do that. That's, I don't understand. That's why I prefer Spotify because they have filters where you can filter it. Same, like when I listen on Stitcher, it goes from oldest to newest episode. Mm-hmm. But for some reason on Audible, this is backwards, which is fine. I don't really mind. Um. What was the one? There's a lot of them that I've uh, <laughs> I've already heard. <laughs> I think I've hit the point where I listen to too many true crime podcasts. <laughs> so you're getting your detective's license and solving crime yourself. That that was a real thought before I got promoted. Um, was going to a criminal justice program. But then I realized that I would have to look at dead bodies and dead bodies creep me out. Um, That's one thing. Like, I'm okay with my grandma not having a funeral, a memorial. Dead bodies creep me out. I don't know if I could ever get desensitized to that. Because that's a real, was a real person. Mm -hmm. So I uh, decided not to pursue that. (laughs) <laughs> I just watch a lot of detective shows and uh, listen to a lot of true crime and read a lot of true crime instead. <laughs> but I've hit the point where like I'm I'm starting to hear and it's it's becoming the point where it's like the little cases. It's not the mm-hmm. big ones like Ted Bundy. It's the smaller ones now. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. Oh, I'm just happy that I can you know not avoid things now on the internet because oh that's right you and so spider-man yes Yes. how was that um without giving any spoilers it was enjoyable but thanks to people who have leaked stuff online a bit predictable okay but yeah no overall it was it was fun it was nice that's good yeah that's good there's a, as per a lot of Marvel movies that they've done with the MCU, it can be a bit of a roller coaster ride emotionally. Yeah. I, I teared up in a few scenes. Aww. So, but then I was dying laughing in a few scenes. And it, was, <laughs> it was really annoying because, like, I was the, on several of those, I was the only person in the theater laughing. But I'm dying laughing and just like, come on, guys, that was funny. <laughs> Come on! Like, Ned makes a promise to Peter while they're in the science lab at school. And uh, 
I was dying laughing. And for those of you who go and see it, you'll know exactly which line I'm talking about and which promise I'm talking about that I was cracking up at. But yeah, everyone else was just like crickets in the theater. And I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. Don't you hate that? <laughs> I often find things funny that other people don't. So yeah, it's whatever. That's true. My co-host is now here, so I guess it's time to begin this. So for this, we're going to go into what is a cryptid, what is cryptozoology, examples of cryptids, plus some minor well-known evidence. I can only find a few examples. And then we'll go into what a mythical creature is, and then examples of mythical creatures. Okay. So that's how my notes are. It's how we're rolling. Um, there, I did find there's a cryptozoology museum actually in Switzerland. I'm not surprised. No, I wasn't either. Um, but there are like um, the Smithsonian did like a cryptid kind of exhibit at one point. Um, I thought that was rather interesting that museum in Switzerland. So cryptozoology, and I'm going to say this word wrong so many what? times. Cryptozoology? Nope. Because it's <laughs> the next word I'm about to say. Okay. <laughs> no. Pseudoscience? I'm going to say pseudoscience wrong a lot, and I'm apologizing. You said it correctly, um, though. I did, because I had to, like, enunciate it in my brain. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Um, cryptozoology is considered a pseudoscience and it also has its own subculture that aims to prove the existence of entities from folklore record. And a cryptid is what they study. And a cryptid was coined in 1938 or no, 1983. Got that backwards. 1983 by J.E. Wall in the summer issue of the International Society of Cryptozoology newsletter. He wanted to have it be used in place of the word monster. So instead of using like the Loch Ness monster or the Jersey Devil monster, he wants people to use cryptid instead. He felt like it was kind of like an outdated term that it wasn't that monster was just too scary almost. And he wanted to have a more um, modern term, I guess. Okay. And he wanted to use the use of cryptid instead of monster because he felt like these were living things, but you just couldn't find them like Bigfoot. So there's so there's a lot of this, and this, you may get into this later, but there's a lot of creatures that are cryptids that I've seen that show up in different mythologies. Yes. So you're going to get into that a bit. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. They they don't use a normal scientific method to prove that they are real. So they become both. Okay. So it's a mythical creature because that's what it was. But there is some form of evidence, whether it's a sighting an eyewitness account, um, EVP, like ghost hunting. It's basically like all your ghost hunting equipment is what people use to prove that that mythological creature is real. So that's where you get the in-between where it's both. Okay. Um, I have a theory on that, but I'll get into that later. So that's, that's why it's considered a pseudoscience because they don't use the proper scientific method to prove that these things are real and a lot of other reasons, which we'll get into in a minute. But that's, that's basically what cryptozoology is, is we're going to use, you know, motion sensing cameras, um, audio recordings, eyewitness accounts, which are sometimes proven wrong, um, or like photos or something like the famous photo of the Loch Ness Monster. The surgeon's photo that everyone knows. That's mm-hmm. been considered a hoax. But people still say it's it's a real photo. And even though it's been proven that it's 
a wooden thing stuck to a submarine, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's not like your normal, like, way of proving something's real. You know, like if you burn lithium, it's going to turn green. You know, you doesn't matter how many times you do it, it's always going to be green. You know, you go out to the forest and go hunt for Bigfoot or Yeti, it, you may not always get the same evidence every time. It's it's weird. So what is a pseudoscience? Pseudoscience consists of statements, beliefs, or practices that can that claim to be both scientific and factual, but are incompatible with the scientific method. So that's why it's considered a pseudoscience is because they don't use normal logic. Um, unfortunately, they don't use normal logic. And because they don't use normal logic, a lot of them don't have normal like scientific backgrounds a lot of these cryptozoologists don't have any scientific background whatsoever um like not even a biology degree nothing you know these are just it's it's like being an armchair detective you know you're you don't have all the qualifications to be an investigator but you're claiming that you're a detective type thing you know none of these people have any formal scientific background and they're claiming to be cryptozoologists there's no university or college that will give you a cryptozoology degree there no. there are no credible yes colleges you can pay for a degree in almost oh, anything yeah. online it's just matter yeah. whether it's credible or not yeah it it will more than likely be a not very credible degree they do however do credential mongering a lot of them do. They'll say, "Oh, you have a biology, you have a biology degree, so we're gonna put that in front, saying that, oh, you know what you're talking about because you have a biology degree, but you might have a biology degree in like bugs or something that's not related to the moth, not the Mothman, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean." We'll get there. Listen, um, Mothman is totally related to. Bugs. Uh, I was trying to think of the actual name of the scientists that investigate bugs. Oh, um. Is it ornithologists? I don't know, but they use their degree as like a front of like they know what they're talking about. They're our expert. They know what they're talking about. No, ornithologists is birds. Oh yeah, no. I mean, you could. You could use that. Um, so they, they do a lot of that in the field as they, they do credential mongering in front of like, oh, hey, we have this degree in this. And we're going to talk about this way off in the field. Um, but like I've said, a lot of the evidence that they do provide a lot of times is a hoax. I'm not saying that your eyewitness account isn't fake. I'm just saying that a lot of photos and things now can be edited. You know, a lot of things can be photoshopped. Listen, I saw this real, I saw this picture. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> it was a velociraptor holding a rocket launcher, riding a shark. It was 100% not photoshopped. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to touch on the subculture part of this. So, there is a subculture, and I, you bringing up dinosaurs is what's bringing this up, called Young Earth Creationism. Have you heard about this? Have you, have you heard about young this? Young Earth Creationism? Creationism. This is a form, this is a subculture of cryptozoology. I, this does not sound familiar. <laughs> okay. It's a rejection of conventional science in favor of a biblical biblical interpretation and promoting concepts such as living dinosaurs. Okay? Okay. They are well-funded. Huh. There's a few of those in Congress. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I'll applaud you for that one. <laughs> That's good. But they conduct expeditions with the goal of finding a living dinosaur that they would then that would then prove that evolution is invalid. Okay. That made my head hurt while I read that. 
Fun fact, Darwin was an occultist. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've read that in a couple of different places. Um, because there's different... I was reading about different levels of cryptozoology, which then kind of confused me. But um, occultist, there's an occultist part of cryptozoology, which I got really confused about. I didn't write that down. Um, would, would that be like... I didn't even like, click on the... I didn't even click okay. on the part of the wiki wiki page. I didn't even click okay. on it. So I did not even want to get any more confused than I already was. I would love for you to send me that <laughs> link if you have it later. Yeah. Because it, it was like... She describes that there's like four different levels of cryptozoology that are kind of always present. And I was just like, what? How are there different levels? What? I was like, it, they, they study cryptids and their assholes. Like, it's like those kids that no matter what you say, no matter how wrong they are, that they, even though they know they're wrong, they don't care. Here we are. So those kids. So we talked about what cryptozoology is, what a cryptid is. So things that you can't find, that there's some form of evidence, whether it's eyewitness accounts, that proves them to be real. So... Based off the laws of quantum mechanics <laughs> and multiverse theory, which there's a lot of more evidence backing this up, I propose the theory that a lot of these creatures are in existence, just not in this universe, and that they either pass over or bleed into our universe. So, we'll get into this later. Okay. <laughs> when I talk about known cryptids. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about this in a minute. We'll talk about this in a minute. <laughs> I need to get you and my boyfriend together. Just, y'all can just chat it out. Because <laughs> that's, that's a Bigfoot theory. Is Bigfoot. Is Bigfoot. Is is a multi universe, multi dimensional being. I can see that. So we'll talk about that later because there's an amazing podcast. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so most cryptids that you will find um, are framed as the subject of an indigenous legends, like a um, nowadays it's like a skinwalker, um, werewolves. Um, I'm trying to think. Thank you. That was on the tip of my tongue. Um, A lot of people with the Wendigo. You have that they're kind of all indigenous legends. Um, And they were typically collected in the heyday of comparative folklore. But they were modified and made worse. And they were kind of appropriated in a not so good way. Most cryptozoologists they don't play nice because the fact that their science isn't real. They don't have real degrees. They're not considered accredited science. So in turn, there's a lot of disdain from the cryptozoologists towards other scientists. Because scientists, the other scientists basically say that, yo, this is not what this is. This is this. This is wrong. This is a hoax type thing. So, of course, you're not going to like people that poke holes in your story and prove you wrong, which makes a lot of sense. Kind of like a lot of ancient astronaut theorists? Yes. Yes. Some of those are just fun. Oh, yeah. But, like, doing this research, I basically came to the conclusion that cryptozoologists are people that don't play well with others. They don't. They don't play well with other scientists, um, even within their own community. They just, they just don't. Because you have constant people poking holes in your story, which is fine. Um, but J.D., J.E., well, he wanted to, he created this cryptozoology and this, crypt, and this cryptic culture because he wanted to keep a sense of wonder within the world. Because you, you think by now we have everything mapped. And we don't. We really don't, though. We don't. Um, I mean, just because we can see it by satellite does not mean we can have it mapped. I mean, we yeah. don't even have, but like a tenth of the ocean mapped. Yeah. Much less all of it. Like there's, there's so many things out there that we don't even know about. They're finding new species of animals all the time. Yeah. 
And the thing is with this new, with when you find a different, a new species, you have a, a physical s specimen. You know, with these cryptids, you don't have them. You know, the fur that they thought was Bigfoot, a lot of that isn't Bigfoot. Um, so you, you have this evidence from so long ago that everyone's like, this is what this is. This is what this is. And now that we have modern technology, we're like, yeah, no, this is not what this is. There, are, there is some weirdness still that happens. Mm -hmm. There is some fur that they cannot explain. Um, but that's why he came up with this whole cryptid thing was we still don't know everything and to kind of give the monsters of legend kind of like a reamp in a way which i thought was kind of interesting so i'm gonna list well-known cryptids i i found one that was hilarious is it the swamp no no i found one local to ohio um called the loveland frog okay yeah the loveland frogs <laughs> it's a frog humanoid being which i thought was kind of interesting but you have champ or champy that lives in um, Lake Champlain. Um, you have the Loch Ness Monster in Loch Ness, Scotland. Um, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti. Um, there are a lot of other names that he does go by. Um, because that, that is a regional being. Um, with do Bigfoot, you, what? Do you know what the Squonk is? No. So Squonk is from Pennsylvania. And it is a fun one because it looks like it's like it's completely hideous and it's known oh, yeah. to be hideous, but it cries all the time because people make fun of it because it's yeah. ugly. And that, that's, like, that's, that's literally it's all no, it's I'm all sad this. because nobody likes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I... <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing with Bigfoot. Because um, we already talked about this famous surgeon photo from, um, whoops, sorry, buddy, I hit you in the face. Um, from 1934, that's the photo of um, Nessie that every thinks, everyone thinks is her. It's black and white. Um, it's not. It is a wooden cutout stuck to a submarine. So the most famous evidence that we have of Bigfoot is the 1967 short film by Roger Pattinson and Bob Ginley. Um, it's the famous video where you see Bigfoot kind of walking right. nonchalant. And um, he stops and looks at the camera. He stops and looks and he keeps going. Um, there is a website called OutsideOnline.com. Um, they have an article of the 10 best photos slash sightings of Bigfoot. Didn't they um, own up to that being a fake? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think it was. I felt like one of them on their deathbed owned up to it being fake or something. I don't know. And then there is a podcast called Sasquatch Chronicles. And it's over 400 episodes. And it is first-hand accounts of seeing Bigfoot. So they, they interview. That's all it is. is they interview and these people tell their stories of seeing Bigfoot or Yeti. I thought I saw Bigfoot in my bathroom one morning, but it was just me and I was half asleep. <laughs> <laughs> You're ridiculous. <laughs> I hate you. Um, the thing with Bigfoot is it's a lot of first-hand accounts or it's a lot of footprints. Um, some of the footprints do have ridge points like you do with your hands and our feet um we do have like toe prints a lot of the bigfoot footprints have toe prints so i thought that was interesting i have to oh you okay they're a cat, cat they just... have nine lives my cat just fell off the table guys <laughs> oh paula freaking did a chest one last week <laughs> like boom took the corner Right to the chest. Um, I do have to put a special spotlight on Bigfoot. So, big Bigfoot believers in this house. Um, you have um, British big cats. So, there's a couple beasts of um, Britain, which I found kind of interesting. Um, 
My second favorite, only because I like seeing this word, is the chupacabra, the goat sucker. So that's a little bit more of a modern one, but it was originally only seen in Puerto Rico. And there is a photo that they later debunked as a um, hairless coyote, like it had mange. So there's a lot of fun stuff for the chupacabra and like its Mm -hmm. variations. There was a... There used to be a show that unfortunately only lasted one season uh, that was on Animal Planet. I watched it back in high school. I, yeah, back in high school. But it was uh, called Animal X, and that's all they did was cryptid. So like each episode was a different cryptid. Uh, but they actually they had one on the Chupacabra and all of its weirdness. Uh, yes. They had some really interesting theories. Mm-hmm. I just like saying chupacabra. <laughs> Mongolian death worm. Yes, the Mongolian death worm is fun. Lives in the Gobi Desert. That's what the sandworms from Beetlejuice are based off of. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have the Jersey Devil. That's mainly in um, South Jersey. It's a winged bipedal horse. So a winged two-foot horse. Um, my favorite, which we'll talk about next episode, the Mothman. He is my favorite. Yowie? Y-O-W-I-E. I was fixing to say Yowie is something you probably shouldn't tell people to look up. Yes. Don't do it. Um, because because that will probably come up something very different than cryptids. Yes. Um, but is a cryptid <laughs> based in Australia? It kind of sounds like it's their Bigfoot in a way. Yeah. So that's the interesting thing to me about Bigfoot or Bigfoot adjacent type creatures is there is something similar in so many cultures all around the world. Yep. He's because like that was the weird part about like looking up the list of cryptids on Wikipedia. Like it shows Bigfoot Sasquatch US Canada and I'm like that's wrong. Yeah because you also have the (laughs) Yeti you have the skunk ape. I was like the next one on the list is the skunk ape which is Florida's version of Bigfoot. Um, it's really just Florida man. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you have all different types of sea serpents. Didn't really give me a list of things. So a lot of those that the sailors saw or that they thought were mermaids are believed to be whale penises. Mm-hmm. Or manatees. Well, have you have you seen a picture of a whale penis? I don't want to know. Don't want to know. Don't. It was just like a beautiful woman. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> it's just as believable as the raptor riding a shark. With a <laughs> yes. By the way, I sent that to you all. <laughs> I know. I like finally looked at my phone. I was like, what the fuck did you send me? <laughs> it's like Johnny sent you photo. What? Um, 100% not Photoshop, guys. 100%. Um, monkey Man of Delphi. Kind of, yeah. That's a big black monkey man. So I thought in old Delphi, India. Wikipedia huh. was very specific. When you said Delphi, I automatically thought of the oracles of Delphi and Greece. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, we already went over. There's no like major evidence with cryptids. Like I typed it into Google, nothing really popped up because it's a lot of like eyewitness accounts and stuff. So I was like, okay, it's disappointing. <laughs> so then, so the popular theories surrounding that would be either a. It's a government cover-up, and the government has a bureau that's out to get, you know... They're going to show up at my door any minute. They're, uh... <laughs> you guys don't hear this podcast. That's why. <laughs> Although, if you don't hear this podcast, you wouldn't know that. So... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, that made me sad. I was like... Because a lot of a lot of the cryptid evidence does eventually come out to be some form of hoax or very hard to prove. Um, so you that's mean the like thing. The mermaid skeleton. Well, and that's like the other part I was running into was 
back then you could get away with, oh, this is a mermaid. That's not a mermaid. Literally, you just connected the skeleton of a fish and a monkey. Yep, he did do that. So that, that was the one thing I found with cryptozoology is you're basically trying to prove that this mythological creature is real. You're trying to prove that it's a cryptid, that it's a modern monster through some sketchy science in a way. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm i still a firm believer that, you know, dimensional rifts, multiverse, and all oh, that. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just playing the other part in this argument. Also, moldy bread. So many times I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. Witch trials. Listen, bro. No, <laughs> <laughs> you brah, brah. Brah. <laughs> Okay, so now that we have covered what is cryptozoology, the study of cryptids. Cryptid is a creature that they have proved that is somewhat real through either eyewitness testimony or some sketchy photos, some grainy photos or video to prove that it exists. It's basically what we're at. So what is a mythical creature? Well, we're going to get into that and a lot of weird stuff because I just kept writing mythical creatures down. <laughs> So many. I mean... There's a lot. There are a lot. There's a lot. So mythical creature is a supernatural animal or paranormal entity. It's generally a hybrid. So like part human, part animal. Whose existence has not or cannot be proven. And that is described in some form of folklore. Well, a lot of them are also just anthropomorphic personifications of the animal as well. Yes. We'll we'll get in some some allegory stuff. It did we're about to get weird. Um about to? Yes. Yes. We got to go through a couple steps first. Oh. Um so you had mythical creatures that were supposed to be defeated in some form of heroic way. So you have like your cyclops or your Minotaur, and then you had creatures like the unicorn that had accounts in natural history by various scholars back then. And then you had creatures of mythology like your dragons and your griffins. I watched a TikTok the other day. I almost sent it to you. Of um, that dragons are a multi-dimensional creature because they are everywhere around the globe, just in different forms. In every form of mythology. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send it to you. So I have like probably every book that has been written and published about dragons in relation to magical practices and stuff like that. Yeah. So in mythology. So yeah, now I get you. <laughs> and then you had mythical creatures that are based on real encounters. And I wrote down a weird example. <laughs> the vegetable lamb of Tartari. Apparently, this is a this is from Central Asia, but a lamb basically would grow <laughs> from like a beanstalk <laughs> and be like a flower at the end, like it was attached to the plant, and. Uh, it would grow off the plant, never leave the plant, and um, as soon as it ate everything that it could get to, it would then die. That's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard. No, I just thought it was funny. Because <laughs> like, the photo looked like a lamb as a flower. Well, <laughs> I mean, have you heard of the green children of Woolpit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and that's not even the weirder. Like, it gets so weird. I mean, huh? how weird are you going to go? Because, you know, Pegasus came from when Perseus cut off Medusa's head. Pegasus flew out of Medusa's head. So We're not going to get into origin tales. I figured as we yeah. kind of do our coffee bean episodes like this, these will be. Uh-huh. Um, We'll just kind of 
pop them in there. <laughs> I just, yeah, I was just wondering how weird you were wanting to get. <laughs> like, um, yeah, we. It doesn't. I mean, yeah, I was, I was, I was. I didn't write a lot of them down. I just started giggling maniacally. Um, the gingerbread man is considered a mythical creature. Not the gumdrop puppet. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. Just like Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein's monster is considered a mythical creature. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, Frankenstein. Tomato, tomato. Now you've just got me doing movie quotes. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta save them. So a variety of creatures appear in art and stories basically during the classical period. So you have basically the Odyssey. Um, You have the story of Odysseus and his whole trial to get home him defeating the cyclops and the sirens and all those creatures you have the tales of medusa um the minotaur of crete the hydra all the tales of heracles all that jazz but the basic function of these stories and the basic function of these creatures was to put the emphasis on how great these heroes were that's the purpose of these creatures of like look how great Heracles is he killed Hydra but you also see things that like cross so the centaur the triton triton um and then the flying horse also appear in Indian art and then you have sphinx that kind of cross they kind of become different things but kind of the same thing um in Indian art in in North America art northern Indian art but then things kind of shift. So it, these animals are just seen as creatures. That's all they are. Just these creatures. But then when we get to the medieval era, these these creatures kind of shift. And then they start to become symbols. And there's a lot of allegory that comes in. Because the church starts getting involved. So shit gets weird. Because now these things are being turned into things that they're not. So like... The unicorn, for example. The tale of the unicorn, how to catch a unicorn, was always, because they're fast creatures, you couldn't capture them with normal methods. You had to find a virgin. And I want to know this. Why are virgins always women? Okay, so to kind of get into that, so from a biblical standpoint, it's kind of where a lot of that comes from, uh, or it comes in like other cultures too, but Virgin is a common misconception based off of current vernacular as far as what a virgin actually means. It does not necessarily mean that you've never had sex. Okay. Um, but typically when it comes to things like that, it is a... Uh, sex is a sacred art and sex is a sacred thing through many a culture. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the vagina is what brings life into the world. And with biological females having a vagina, uh, that's typically where the power lies. And so that's typically where the reverence of that lies in the aspect of having a virgin that is a female. Uh, In some cultures, it's not always a female, but the ones when they do specifically list females, it typically ties into that, and the virginity is not necessarily their uh, sexuality. A lot of times, originally, virgin just meant that a woman was not wed or was not, uh, or that someone was not bound to someone else. You know, biologically speaking, you know, virgin isn't actually a thing. I mean, yeah, your hymen busts, but your hymen can also bust from riding a horse. And, yeah. you know, you're not going to go around saying that a horse took your virginity. Gotcha. From a gotcha. biological standpoint, there's really no, nothing there. It's really just the tying in the sacredness of the ability to bring in life with whatever you're manifesting because you're manifesting and bringing in something into reality. Gotcha. Yeah. That was just a question I had about writing this down. Yeah. So in order to catch a unicorn, 
<laughs> you need someone who's not married. You need a virgin. And you need to take them to the dwelling in which you think the unicorn lives. And if the unicorn's there, it it will get in, like jump into her lap and go to sleep. And then you can you can capture the unicorn that way. There's a really fun story with virgins, both a male and a female, uh, ha- tying into the uh, journey to the west. The story of the monkey king. Oh yeah. And uh, basically, there the shortened version is there's a village who, uh, yeah, you saw my cat's tail. <laughs> what is that? And a cat butt. Uh, but there's a village who's being accosted by this river monster. And so you have, uh, so they send a yearly sacrifice of a virgin boy and virgin girl to this river monster. And the monkey king and one of his companions goes and checks it out and like fight this monster and come to find out it's an escaped like celestial goldfish from a goddess. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, people are sacrificing virgins to goldfish. Hey, whatever you gotta do. Times are hard, man. Feed them fishies. <laughs> but the allegory of the whole story of the unicorn. An allegory is a narrative or visual representation in which a character, place, or event can be interpreted to represent a hidden meaning with a moral or political significance. This became really huge with art, mythical creatures specifically, once the church started putting its little fingers and everything. Um, because the, the unicorn became a metaphor for Jesus Christ. And it basically represented the idea of his innocence and his purity. However, when they were translating the Bible into the King James Bible, they misinterpreted a word, which now means um, wild ox. So back then they interpreted it to mean unicorn, and it doesn't. They mistranslated the Hebrew. Wait, they mistranslated Hebrew? That's never happened. <laughs> yeah. In Psalm 92, verse 10, it talks about a unicorn horn. They mistranslated. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Hebrew word, but they basically, the Hebrew word for a wild, that later becomes wild oxen, got translated into unicorn in the King James Bible. So that's where you start to get the unicorn in art started to represent Christ, Jesus, his purity, um, his humility, and stuff like that. That's why they're seen as small. There is actually a uh, really good movie about unicorns. uh, And it's not the last unicorn. Mm. It has Tom Cruise in it before he went crazy and Tim Curry. Called Legend. I was like, we like Tim Curry. Yeah, Tim Curry. Plays the devil. He would. And it's like it's your typical like huge horns, big red scary guy, devil. But um, you know Tom Cruise before he went crazy. Uh, Fucking hate Tom Cruise. But he's running around the jungle in a loincloth. Tom Cruise can go die for all I care. The second example, major example that you see in medieval times of allegory is dragons, which I thought was kind of funny. That was the example Wikipedia. They were always identified as some form of serpent, but their attributes were greatly intensified because they were supposed to be larger than any animal known. Any animal. It was The dragon would always be bigger than whatever was in the picture. They had no harmful poison, but were able to slay anything type thing. But the Bible started to quote it as the devil um it denoted sin in the medieval ages so if you saw a dragon and some form of thing it meant the devil the sins and they thought that it dwelt in hot in in very warm places like ethiopia and india which i thought was weird back in like medieval europe dragons exist in a lot of different cultures uh as you said yeah 
Yeah, they do a lot of like weird assumptions and tie-ins. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> they had dragons in different myths and legends before that, obviously, in different like serpents and stuff. But you, they don't really get the association of fire as much. Yeah. Until you get into when they start tying it to the devil. There yeah. Are, there are some records of them breathing fire, but that's like, you know, any association with any element, depending on which culture you're in. But yeah, I mean, like, like you said, literally every culture has had some variation of a dragon. I mean, you know, the Aztecs actually had a dragon god, Quetzalcoatl, mm-hmm. yeah. which some people would argue that it's not a dragon, but if you look at its description and everything, it's a dragon. So yeah, in the medieval times, the kind of mythical creatures start to become symbolic for other things. Um, like a griffin is seen as the guardian of the dead. I thought it was a little interesting. Um, the basilisk a lot of times is also seen as the devil. And the dove would symbolize the Holy Spirit. Because we got to put Jesus into everything. Because they weren't really interested in being physically accurate about things. They just wanted to get their art and their allegoric allegorical story out there. Well, in a lot of those old paintings and stuff, especially during the Renaissance, there's actually a lot of occult iconography and hidden messages. Yes. And hidden meanings in a lot of those as well. And uh, I think we'll probably at some point do an episode on occult art because uh, that's a whole whole other thing. So now we're going to get into the list of mythical creatures that I thought people would know. Skelky? Scottish? They're sh- yeah. shape-shifting seal people that transform yep. when they shed their skin. Yeah. That picture was weird. Um, There's actually um, a really great movie uh, kind of a well, no, no, no. You got a movie for everything. No, no, no. So, <laughs> what you said, you said Scottish. So, this, I have to plug this in. Uh, so, there's a really great. There's three movies uh, that aren't technically sequels. You have to watch them in any order. But the creators refer to them as the Celtic mythology trilogy, and so they have to do with like Celtic mythology and stuff. Uh, the first one is the Secret of Kills. The second one, which has the, the selfie in it, is uh, Song of the Sea. And then the third one is Wolfwalker. I have yet to watch Wolfwalker. It came out last year, but they are three really, really amazing animated films that tie in a lot of traditional Celtic imagery and mythology into them. You have a movie for everything. Myrodons? How this spell? M Y R M I D O N S. Myrodons? 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 Um, it is Greek. Um, they were warriors created from ants by Zeus. You see them in the Iliad because they are commanded by Achilles, the most famous griffin. Um, and there's different variations of griffins. They are Greek. They have the head and wings of an eagle but the body legs and tail of a lion um they would guard treasure and priceless possessions you have the owl man i'm interpreting that as england's mothman um he's also a super villain and an alternate version of batman (laughs) yes look it up he's an alternate version of batman and a super villain god Um, you have the rainbird, Native American, which would bring rain. Um, harpy, uh, which is Greek, <laughs> an ugly winged bird woman that would steal food. Um, you have the Valkyrie, which is not how they are portrayed in Thor. Um, they would choose who would live and who would die, but they are all female on yeah. They're not female warriors. They would just decide who would live and die on the battlefield. Um, well, they have, would take the souls to Valhalla. 
Yeah. But, like, I think Thor kind of portrays the movie. They kind of portray them as these woman warriors, female warriors. And it's... Yeah, I mean, they were warriors in a sense, but not exactly the way that they're portrayed. I mean, of course, it's a comic book movie with superheroes and stuff. Everything's... And let's, let's be honest, for those who know their mythology, especially their Norse mythology... There ain't much that's right about <laughs> love Stanley, love his creations, but there is not much that's right about the uh, no stuff there. No, and I know minuscule. <laughs> you have genies, which kind of show up in a couple different forms. Hippogriff, it is French, so France and England. Um, a winged horse with the head and upper body of an eagle. Siren. I found siren spelled with an I and an E. I'm assuming the R-I-N would be the Russian version. And the R-E-N is the Greek version. Because I knew of like sirens to be the women that sang that lured men to their death. There are also birds with women's heads that would lure men to their death. So I got a little confused with that. I mean, I could ask a Slav. I do have a Russian friend. Yeah. Like, I would be curious, because I spelled it, I saw it on Wikipedia spelled both ways. R-I-N and R-E-N. I know the R-E-N was definitely the Greek version. Black Dogs and Hellhounds. That shows up in a lot of different places. A lot of places all over the world. I do know that they're not always the bringer of death. Um, I do know that they would, when they would have a new graveyard, they would put a dog in there first because it was believed that the first soul buried within the cemetery or the graveyard would be kept there. So they would do a dog to protect the graveyard. So that, so I, I don't know if it might be the always the bringer of death. If it's just like a specific black dog, not quite sure. You have Cerebus. Service, the multi-head dog that guards the underworld. I thought this was interesting. Sky fox. It is Chinese. It is a celestial nine-tailed fox spirit that is a thousand years old, and it has golden fur. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of the oriental countries have, uh, with all the countries in the Orient region, have something similar. The Japanese have the kitsune. Yeah. You have werewolves. Those are they're world. They're castle. Huh? Sorry. Movie quote. You said werewolf. I, I said they're wolf. They're castle. Oh, I didn't even hear what you said. They're worldwide. Different cultures have different views. Blue Mountains Panther. That is specific to Australia. Mermaids and mermen. All over the world. A moon rabbit, which is Chinese. It was the rabbit that lived on the moon. That's what they made sense with what the moon looked like. You have your banshee, leprechaun, dwarves, gnomes, goblins. All that nice Yep. Red cap, hydra, unicorn, basilisk, pegasus. Um, dragons of all forms. Gargons, which is what is, that is what Medusa is considered. Um, a jackalope. <laughs> Is considered a mythical creature. Um, they're all so real. It's not. They're not real. Totally real. <laughs> it's not real. How real? <laughs> it's a jackrabbit with antlers so onto it. It's not real. It's real. Um, I've seen it. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the queen. Like, how would you burrow with antlers? <laughs> like, how does that make sense? Um, dear women. Dear woman. Um, mm-hmm. It's a Native American entity. Kind of like their version of a centaur. It's female from the waist up, and then it is deer from the waist down. Minotaur, which I want to say is mainly found in Crete. Yeah, so the Minotaur itself is, uh, without going into the full story, the king of uh, Crete, I believe, uh, pissed off. Poseidon, and he cursed his wife to be infatuated with a bull, and so there was a whole thing set up where she 
done the dirty deed with the bull and got knocked up and that was the offspring who lived in the maze below the kingdom so you had the head of a bull body of a man you have the centaur which got famous with harry potter um head arms torso of a human but body and legs of a horse and then i forget what the one in narnia is called where he's half goat half man the fawn yes thank you it's either a fawn or a satyr whether you're talking about greek or roman yeah i think it's a satyr in um it's that movie in spanish with doug jones oh you're talking about pan's labyrinth thank you that's one of my favorite movies it's up there. i mean doug jones is amazing <gasps> love doug jones batman <laughs> and he's just such a sweetheart he is and that's the thing is you know who doug jones is but you don't know who he is you know his characters you just don't know his face i mean i think i've seen doug jones in enough things that oh yeah like but jones. like people don't understand that he's abe in hellboy mm-hmm. you know that he's that weird um man in that it's like legend movie where his jaw gets real long the um, ice cream man yes um he's a couple he is, huh he is captain saru in uh star trek discovery yep and i want to say he's a silver surfer uh-huh and he's the body of a silver surfer yes he's the body not the voice um in pan's labyrinth he plays a couple different characters mm-hmm. the centaurs the fawn and the guy with the eyeballs in his hands that's a great movie Back to my list. Because <laughs> we could talk about Doug Jones all day. <laughs> um, this is the Doug Jones podcast. All I Doug Jones. Doug all Jones. <laughs> I love that man. The I thought it funny the gingerbread man is considered a mythical creature. Um, vampires, skinwalkers. Um, for those who are not uh, familiar with that, it's Navajo culture. So Native American, it's a uh, harmful witch that has the ability to turn into, possess, or disguise as an animal. So it's a form of a shapeshifter, but not quite. It's it's kind of like a medicine woman man that goes bad. You have red caps. Um, and there's a red cap that's like sp- specific to a place in Michigan. I found this one interesting. Baku, B-A-K-U. It's Japanese. Um, it's a supernatural being that has that is said to devour nightmares. Weird looking creature. That, that is actually what Hypno, the Pokemon, is based off of. Oh, okay. That yeah. makes more sense now. That's what he's based off of. That makes a lot of sense. Because like the picture, he like it had like a long snout and stuff. Now that you've said that, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um because it was created by the spare parts left over when the gods finished creating all the other animals. So it's just a hodgepodge menagerie just stuck together. That's what happened to the platypus. Shut up. <laughs> I hate you. Just remember the platypus is the only animal that you can actually make a full custard pie with. It lays eggs. It lays eggs. <laughs> it produces milk. <laughs> You were just so wrong on so many levels. <laughs> but that is, that is my list of mythical creatures that I just found interesting or that people may know. Um, there's also the chimera, which is, you know, typically a mix of, depending on its depiction, but a lot of times it's got like a goat head, a lion head, and like a scorpion. Oh, yeah. So it also sometimes is a mix between a little girl and a dog and but that's that's specific for our <laughs> Can we not? No, One no. Time? Anytime I can mention Nina Tucker, I mention Nina Tucker. <laughs> you are ridiculous today. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed out in public. 
that that's my list of mythical creatures and what a mythical creature is technically is so cryptid is a mythological creature that they have proven in some form to be real whether it's an eyewitness account trail cam footage trail cam photo motion sense all your normal like ghost hunting equipment that proves it to be some form of real and then cryptozoology is the study of the mythological creatures that they have proven real even though none of them have the right credentials and don't play well with other scientists. So what about, give me a second, because i got to look up this because I don't know what it's called. Ah, that is it. So what about machine elves? Are they part technology and part elf? No. <laughs> you gotta, got to give me more clues than just a name. So machine elves, also known as fractal elves, uh, self-transforming elves, or Jenny, is a term coined by the late ethnobotanist writer and philosopher uh, Terence McKenna to describe the apparent entities that are often reported by individuals using uh, DMT. So DMT is a drug. It is a thing that is replaced by or released by your brain at birth and death. Mm-hmm. That you can replicate. But all these people seem to have this similar. Uh, so that's that's ultimately my thing is you have all these people who have similar experiences, regardless of where they're at or you know what their culture is in certain aspects. But you have different people who have. Similar creatures, similar things that show up with mm-hmm. their experiences. And that's the thing so that, that separates the mythological creature from the cryptid. Is the cryptid has some form of... A, there's a, some form of accountability. Whether people have seen it. So you have your eyewitness accounts. You know. Because that's a lot of what this is. Is somebody sees something. They see it. Um, mythological creature is some form of tale. You know, you have the tale of Hydra. You have the tale of of Tommyknockers. You have tales of um, well, I guess Tommyknockers would be considered more of a cryptid, even though they're heard more than seen. Um, you know, Medusa. Medusa was a tale. It was never really... She was never seen. You know? So that's kind of what differentiates it. Is there some form of evidence? Whether it's somebody sees it. So if all these people are having the same experience, there might be a link because of what it activates in your brain. Mm -hmm. That might be it too. Well, yeah. I mean, that would go back to quantum mechanics (laughs) like like Uh, that might be it too is that it might be activating the same parts in the brain and all these people when they're taking it i've never experienced anything like that because i've never done dmt nor do i plan on it uh i just thought that that was a interesting little plug thing there uh, I would say they're classified as cryptid only because there's some form of evidence. These people have seen it. It's not. It's like an interdimensional being. Yeah. I guess would be. Yeah. Like the Fae. Would the Fae be considered cryptids, or would they can be considered? Uh, because people have mm. seen things, people have experienced things having to do with the fairies. But you know, that's a. Hmm. I would say. The Fae are interdimensional beings. I would say too. They're kind of like their own entity. They're their own thing. Yeah, I feel like there should be. A, I feel like that should be a third category all on its own. Yeah. Or kind of a cross between the two. I don't know. It's like a Venn diagram, and that's yeah, like a third section. Yeah. Well, I saw like all the cryptids were listed as mythological creatures on Wikipedia. Like, it was both. I thought that was kind of interesting. But, yeah. Because it's... It's interesting what we as humans have spun. The tales of creatures and stuff like that. So. 
Well, I find I mean, it interesting. You know, going back to, I mean, some of it could be perception of what we're able to perceive and what we're able to process with our brains as well. Uh, I mean, after all, believing is seeing. For a lot of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I did find that the, the cryptid mythological creature debate is a big gray area. It's a big gray area. The whole thing. And in reality, we're all just, you know, simulations in a computer program. <laughs> the, ma- the new Matrix comes out the 22nd. I will not be seeing it. You don't got to make Matrix references. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a whole conspiracy. There's people who actually believe that this is a simulation and nothing is real. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people that think that's what's going on. Yeah. Don't know. Which I could go on to a long tangent on Woo. that, but I won't. We won't do that today. Not on this episode. <laughs> no. So I think, does that about wrap up your notes? Yes. That's all I got. That's all I had time for. You got, like, cryptozoology, like, itself, that, I could go on a lot more on that, on the gentleman that founded it, because, I mean, it was founded by two gentlemen. I did not write their names down. Um, Bob and Dwayne. No. Um, Bernard... Helvemans um, and Ivan T. Sanderson are credited as being the founders of cryptozoology. Yeah, I could go on about cryptozoology because it, it's considered a subculture all on its own, which I found kind of interesting. So, definitely, definitely. But, yeah, this wraps it up for, yeah, that wraps it up for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe and tell a friend. We do have a Facebook page, The Wayward Dragons. And we do have an email, thewaywarddragons at gmail.com. If you have a first-hand account of interacting with Cryptid, email us and let us know. And everyone have safe travels over the holiday. Everyone have a very happy new year. And we will see everybody in the new year. And if you're going to drink... Drink responsibly, guys. Yes. Always have a DD. Yeah. So. <laughs> Kelsey's pointing at herself. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey doesn't drink. No. <laughs> Kelsey's pointing at herself. I'm my boyfriend's permanent designate. I mean, <laughs> you know. It ensures he gets home safely and I don't have to worry about it. So. Yep. And then if anyone asks if you're drinking, you'll be like, nope, I'm the DD. Yeah. There's <laughs> no shit. There's always shame in saying that you drink. There's always, they're always like, why don't you drink? I'm like, because I don't. And that's all. It's We're going to talk about it. It's not your, your business. business. But anyways. Yeah. We're signing off. So until next time, I'm Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. Bye. Bye.